that's here, here this morning. And sometimes as church, you know, we talk about what goes on midweek church. Um, and you know, we celebrate rightly that you know, we get five, 600 people coming through the church in the week. And that's brilliant. But actually, if you look at us here this morning and what we're going to go out and do this week, if every person here this morning is going to come across 20 people this week, you know, for some of you it'll be less than 20, for some like me this week it'll be much more than 20. If every person just came across 20 people this week, that's going to be 3,000 people we touched this week. And if we got 3,000 people in here this morning, we'd be blown away. But actually, that's potential for us this week. And apparently, the first rule of forensics is whatever you, whenever somebody touches something, they leave a trace. And as I see it this week, you know, as we're talking about you know, attitudes in the workplace, the opportunity for us is to go out and leave a trace of God on 3,000 people this week. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about here. Um, so we're going to look at, look at um, attitudes in the workplace. It's a big subject. We're going to look at it using uh, Nehemiah. So if you've got a, a Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah and look at chapter 1. Uh, on the church Bible, that's page 342. And some background on Nehemiah. So the Israelites get carried off into captivity at about 587 um, BC. So Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians uh, take, take them away. Uh, about 40 or 50 years after that, the Babylonian Empire gets overthrown and the Persian Empire takes over. And Nehemiah is set in the Persian Empire. Uh, Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah is about um, 445 years, uh, about 445 BC, so about 150 years after the, you know, the Babylonians defeated Israel. And 10 years before the story of Nehemiah, there's the story of Ezra. And so what happens is the Persian Empire starts sending some of the people they've conquered um, back to their homelands. And as part of that, Ezra goes back um, with the job of rebuilding the temple. And that's, you know, that's the, um, the backdrop to, to the to the story of Nehemiah that we'll look at this morning. So what we'll do, we'll just work through um, chapter 1 and, and, and draw out a few, a few points. So Nehemiah chapter 1. So it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. So the first thing I want to talk about with Nehemiah and what we can learn for you know, the workplace this week is Nehemiah had a vision for kingdom. So Nehemiah, he's probably never actually been to Jerusalem. This is 150 years after the Israelites have been carried away. And he's a pretty high-ranking official in the Persian Empire. He's cupbearer to the king. Yeah, that's a responsible position. And, but yet, he sits down with these guys coming back from, uh, who've been with Ezra and says, you know, what's going on? They tell him the story, and it grieves him. And actually, it had been very easy for him at that point to have just stayed where he was. But actually, what he does, he knows this isn't right. He knows that as a Jew, by heritage... He's got a role to play in God's story, and he wants to offer himself up to, to be part of that. You know, he knows that God's got story for the people of Israel. He knows that the people of Israel have not been living to that story, and he wants to play his part in living out God's story uh, and, and playing his role in it. And Nehemiah, as you go through the book, at this point in time, you know, Nehemiah thinks his story is going to be about rebuilding the wall. Actually, God's plans for Nehemiah are much bigger. 
when you read Nehemiah, what, what you realize is the, story, the book of Nehemiah, it starts off being a story about re- rebuilding a wall. But actually, as you read the book through, it becomes a story about rebuilding a community based on God. It goes much, much bigger than building a wall. But Nehemiah doesn't understand that. At this stage, he's just offering himself up, thinking, look, Lord, I know this isn't right. I know you've got a story. I want to be part of that. And so he offers himself up to rebuild the wall, not knowing that actually God's plans are much bigger than that. So rebuilding the wall actually only takes 52 days. Nehemiah is there for 12 years. And so the first question for us, you know, I want to ask this morning as we think about the world of work and attitudes to work is, what's our vision? You know, when we look at Monday to Friday, whatever you're going to do this week, is it first with excitement? Do we see it as potential? This is an opportunity for God to work through us. Do we see it with dreading? Like, oh no, this is going to take me away from God? Or do we just, are we just a bit neutral on it? Well, that's something I have to go and do. Earn money, you know, pay for my family. What's our vision? In church, uh, I grew up in, um, there, there's, there's, I think it was a bit of a subliminal Christian hierarchy. You know, if you were holy, you worked for the church. Yeah, you're a minister. If you were slightly less holy, you kind of worked for a you know, parachurch organization. If you're slightly less holy again, you became a doctor. <laughs> and if you weren't holy enough to be a doctor, you became a teacher. And right down the bottom of the pile, you have people like me, people in business, or lawyers, or even worse, financial services. Yeah. <laughs> that is rubbish, okay? And I know we don't, have, we don't believe that in our church. Um, Genesis 10, it talks about Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. I've got no idea what a mighty hunter before the Lord is. You know, is that God was pleased with Nimrod because he could, you know, kill good animals for sacrifices? Was God pleased with Nimrod just because God had blessed Nimrod with some hunting gifts and he used them for God? I don't know what it looks like. But what I do know is that whatever you do this morning, whether you're in a university, factory, surgery, office, God can use you in what you're doing. And the more I, you know, I, I study this, the more I realize it's not about what we do that's important to God. It's more about how we do it. Yeah? And you could, you know, you'd laugh if we did it, but I could say, you know, stand up, um, you know, Mark Allen, mighty practice manager. You know, stand up, Andy Johnson, mighty project manager. Or, you know, stand up, Richard, you know, mighty teacher before the Lord. And we'd all laugh, but actually that's how God sees our potential. As we're going out this week, you know, God sees that potential in us. And uh, there's a problem, though. (laughs) It would have been very easy for Nehemiah not to have played his part in this story. Because actually, he had to stand up and take a risk. And and I think, you know, one of the things when we read about people like Nehemiah or other guys in the Bible, we think, oh, they're really godly. And they were really godly. But actually, I think they probably had the same issues that we do. I bet Nehemiah, when he goes to the king later on, was thinking, have I really heard God right here? You know, I bet he was scared. But he had to step out and take a risk. And he was willing to take that risk. And actually, it's the same for us. That you know, As God looks at us this week, he looks at what we're going in to do this week and says, you can make a difference for me. You might start off thinking, it's only about putting a brick on a wall. But actually, I've got much bigger plans for that. And I'm going to transform a community through your starting step here. And it's going to be scary for us. And God doesn't take that um, scariness away. It's something we've got to learn to live with. That's, you know, that's what faith's about. 
Yeah, but Nehemiah is willing to step out and take that risk. So the first, you know, the first question I want to ask us ourselves this morning is this. Yeah, what is our vision for this week? Do I look at what I'm going to do this week and think, this is fantastic, this is something, God, you can work through and bless me and, and bless others through me um, this, this week. And, yeah, perhaps some of you have got that vision, that's great. But also it might be that you've had that vision in the past and perhaps it's just become a bit jaded. You know, perhaps you started off, you went into whatever you're doing now, this vision of, Lord, you can make a difference through me. And over time, you've either been worn down by the issues or um, you know, you've actually enjoyed what you do and you've thrown yourself into what you do, and that's brilliant, but you've lost sight of God in it. So again, I just want to come back and say, look, whatever you look at this week, it's an opportunity. You know, God sees it as an opportunity. Whatever you do, God can work through you this week. As Christians, if I said to you, what are we about? I'm sure a lot of us would say we're about um, telling people about Jesus, about converting people. And that's true. But it's only part of the story, actually. When you read the Gospels, what Jesus says is, what we're called to do is to usher in the kingdom of God. To live God out now. And that's the opportunity for us this week, to take God's kingdom to those 3,000 people that we might meet this week. You know, to leave God's trace, God's kingdom values his righteousness, his justice, his mercy, show that through our behaviours this week and leave those traces of God's kingdom around. So, first thing about Nehemiah, his vision vision for kingdom. Um, The second thing I think we can learn from from Nehemiah is this, that when you read Nehemiah, what you realise is that Nehemiah's got this belief that God is over all. God is over all. So, yeah, it starts off in his, his, his prayer in chapter 5. He's saying, oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. God, you are over everything. And you know, we'll look at the prayer again in a moment. But you know, jumping to the end of the, the prayer in verse 11, you know, he then says, look, give your servant success today by granting, granting me favor with the king. Nehemiah is walking in to the Barack Obama of his time. You know, this guy, after Xerxes, is the king of the superpower of the time. And Nehemiah's going in to, to talk to him. But Nehemiah knows that however powerful Artaxerxes is, God's over Nehemiah. God's over Artaxerxes. And when you read Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah's a very smart guy. You know, he, he does his job as an administrator well. When the people have to build the wall, he organizes them well. But at the same time, he's there praying to God, God, you need to give the people superhuman strength to get this job done. In chapter 4 and 5, when the enemies are trying to disrupt the building of the wall, Again, Nehemiah does his job well. He, you know, he organizes the defenses. But at the same time, he's praying, God, I need you to frustrate the plans of our enemies. I need you to do this, God. And I think, you know, looking at that, what, what does that mean for us? You know, I know that some of us here this morning will be going into difficult situations this week. You know, Monday to Friday is not necessarily an easy place. You know, we might have unruly pupils, awkward patients, difficult staff problems, lack of orders, um, you know, or, you know, suppliers who aren't delivering, you know, whatever it may be. And we need to know that God is over those situations, whatever they are. And that's not going to take away from us using our efforts, but the difference is, when, you know, when I read Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah used his skills to his, uh, to, to his best advantage, but his faith was fundamentally that, God, you are over this. I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm going to believe, God, that you are over this. You know, so I've got this awkward boss. Well, you know what, God? <laughs> if you can change the mind of the superpower king of the time, you can sort out my boss. 
you know, if you can frustrate the plans of these enemies who are coming in to attack, um, you know, planning to attack Jerusalem, God, you can sort out my awkward patience, my lack of resources. It doesn't take away from us, but it's about a mindset that says, God, I'm not going into this myself. You're going to be over it. God doesn't take Nehemiah out of those circumstances. What God invites Nehemiah to do is believe that he's over those circumstances. And that's the same for us this week. You know, God's not going to take us out of the, the difficulties we face in our workplaces. But actually God's saying, I'm going with you. And however big your problems are, guys, I'm over those problems. I'm bigger than your boss. I'm bigger than your company. I'm bigger than whatever um, challenges you're facing this week. And the question is, are you going to take me into that place with you? So Nehemiah had vision for kingdom. Yeah, he believed that, that God, God was overall. And the third thing um, I think we can learn from Nehemiah is, um, is about prayer. So you know, most of chapter one here is, uh, is, is Nehemiah's prayer. And you know, somewhere it's a bit reluctant to raise this. It feels a bit like motherhood and apple pie, doesn't it? You know, if we want to be, make a difference for God in whatever our Monday to Friday place is, yeah, we've got to be praying, but it's so important, I can't not say it. Yeah, we've got to be praying about what's, what's, what's going on this week. If we're not praying about where we're spending the bulk of our time, then actually we're not going to see God moving through, through, through that. I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes I struggle with, um, you know, with, with, with praying and think, you know, how, do I, how do I approach you know, praying for my workplace? And you know, I guess I'll, you know, certainly my standard response has been to pray for people. But I think it's quite interesting here how, how Nehemiah prays as well for this situation that he's facing, particularly in verses 8 to 10. Essentially what Nehemiah does is, Nehemiah goes back to the character of God. He goes back to God and who his promises are. He says, God, this is what you said about your people. Here's what, here is how what I am praying is fitting into what you have already said. And maybe that's a model for us. One of the, um, one of the most significant books... Uh, I read last year was a, 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 a book called Great Outpouring, and it's a story of um, a retreat centre in Fishguard, uh, in, in West Wales, or near Fishguard. And the guy, uh, Roy Good- Godwin, who, who wrote the book and runs the place, he, you know, he felt God was calling him to, to go there, so he was very, well, this doesn't seem right, but okay, I need to be obedient, so he goes. And he gets there, and the, the retreat centre is struggling. And so he thinks, oh, you know, where, do, where, where do we start out? And anyway, they prayed a bit, and they, start, they decided that what they were going to do is they were going to pray blessing on their community. And so uh, they, looked at, they looked at the issues in their community, and they're in rural Wales, and one of the issues they've got is um, poverty. So they start playing, praying God the provider over the situations that they, they had around them. And the other thing they started doing was they looked at what's going on in their community that had a kingdom of God value. Even if the people weren't Christians, where were people looking after elderly relatives? Where were people looking after the family? Where were um, you know, people trying to bring about reconciliation or forgiveness? And where that was going on, they saw that was going on. They prayed blessing on those people, even if they weren't Christians. And things started happening. So the local farmers you know, came to lambing season they didn't have lambs anymore. They started having twins or triplets. Or uh, the story where he gets called down to a local farm and, and the, the farmer says to him, I want you to come into this field. And you can see there's a bull in the field. And he's like, don't want to go in the field, thank you very much. Like, no, 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 come in, come in. So they get into the field and they're standing behind this bull. And the farmer says to him, what do you see? He's thinking, well, you know, I see the backside of a bull. 
And uh, Farmer says, no, 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 look at those haunches. Look at the haunches on this bull. And he still isn't getting it. And the farmer says, look, those, that is a prize-winning bull. Normally, you would only expect to get those once every 50 years. Since you've started praying, I've had two in the last five years. Or their local um, B&B, it's back to back business. They start praying, it, praying for it, praying blessing on, on the lady who runs it. And next year, she's voted landlady of the year. She's booked out for the next three years. And I guess like one of the um, things I want to throw out this morning is when you look at your workplace this week, maybe that's a different way to start praying about your workplace. Look at what's going on in your workplace and see who can I pray blessing on? How can I pray God's character into my workplace? So where there are areas of conflict, how can I pray the God, pray the God of reconciliation into those scenarios? Where there's bitterness, you know, how can I pray forgiveness? Or where I've, there's somebody in uh, my team who I know is good at, you know, um, drawing people together. How can I pray blessing on them? So look at what's going on in our workplace that's got a kingdom value. And say, how can I pray your blessing on that God? Because you know, as Christians, it's about us ushering in the kingdom of God. Let's look at, you know, the characteristics we know God has. Mercy, forgiveness, grace. And how can we spot just small elements of those going on in our workplace and promote those? Pray blessing on them, you know, like you'd water a plant to try, you know, try, and, try and encourage it to grow. So, yeah, we've got vision for kingdom, we've got God overall, we've got you know, praying, you know, just really fundamental principles to um, our, our Monday to Friday place. And then the last thing um, I think we can learn from Nehemiah is this, that you know, be wise, okay? Be wise. You know, Nehemiah is... Um, he lives for God, and he's got a different set of values to the guys around him. So it starts off in chapter 1. It had been very easy for Nehemiah to stay where he was. Being cupbearer to the king, it was a nice existence, but he's prepared, to, he's prepared to put it on the line. And if we want to um, see fruit for God, if we want to bear fruit for God in our workplace, we need to uh, know now we need to have a different set of values to those guys around us. And the biggest challenge to our society, our culture, we all know it's money. Yeah, that is money, material possessions. That is the yardstick by which everything is measured. And yet we, as Christians, you know, we're going to have to be different. We've got to be different. Okay, I'll just uh, put up some verses from Proverbs. I love reading the message. I was reading Proverbs recently, and um, it's just refreshing. Um, so this is uh, Proverbs 8. So it says, prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God-knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. My benefits are worth more than a big salary, even a very big salary. The returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. And, you know, I know, if we sat down and talked among ourselves, we'd probably say, yeah, yeah, we believe that. But do we live according to that? Yeah, Nehemiah was prepared prepared to live according to that. And actually, if we want to stand out, if we want to see God move through us in our workplace, we actually need to believe the reality of that. And so when we um, go into situations like, now what job do I want to do? We've got to look at it broader than just how much does it pay me? Do I enjoy it? Yeah, we've got to have, learn to have a different mindset around it that says, okay, so what's this going to mean for my time with God? What's this going to mean for my relationship with God? Is this going to move me on? Is it going to hinder me? What's this going to mean for my time with family? 
you know, how's this going to advance God's kingdom? We've got to have a much... I'm not saying, you know, don't pay any regard to, you know, the, the, the money or, or the enjoyment. What I am saying is that, look, as Christians, we've, we've got to have a different mindset when it's approaching, you know, universities, degree courses, jobs, where we live. We've just got to be able to step back from the world and say, no, the world's values are not God's values. We've got to be able to approach this differently. And the other thing about Nehemiah, when you read it, is uh, pretty much, you know, every so often in Nehemiah, you, uh, you get these little references where Nehemiah kind of like has a little aside to, to God. And, and, you know, the end of Nehemiah um, finishes with, you know, Nehemiah saying, remember me with favor, oh my God. And that phrase comes up, comes up several times through, through Nehemiah. But basically, Nehemiah lives for an audience of one, Okay. Nehemiah is living his life based on what are you thinking about me, God? How do I fit into your story here? I think this is, you know, he knew his identity was in God. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's probably a particular issue for us men, more so than um, the ladies. I'm not saying it's not, not an issue for the ladies, but I think as men, we're more pr- prone to find our security, to find our identity in what we do. And God's saying, guys, that's so wrong. <laughs> You've got to find your identity in me. You know, Nehemiah could not have done what he did had he been focused on what's it, you know, what does this mean for me? So wrapped up in being cupbearer. You know, he had to stand back and say, no, it's so much bigger than this. It's about me being part of your story, God, and letting you fo- flow through me. And you know, for us as men, yeah, probably a lot of us enjoy our work. Some of us may hate it, but some of us probably enjoy it. How we throw ourselves into it. Or we, you know, we, you know, we find our identity and our security and, you know, you know, cars or money or career, all, the, all those kind of things. And actually, I just feel God's saying to us today, guys, don't be stupid. <laughs> now, I think Pete used the, uh, you know, Pete used the rope illustration uh, last, last week. And, you know, sort of shameless plug for, for, for New Wine. You know, the, 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 the clip we saw earlier is Francis Chan. He's one of the speak, main speakers at New Wine this year. And uh, when I first saw that rope illustration, it just... It kind of blew me away. It was so simple, yet so effective. We just waste so much time chasing the wrong things. And so, you know, this morning, um, as I look at the workplace, yeah, it's exciting. You know, the opportunity to take God to two, 3,000 people this week, just through the people who are gathered here. And that's going to go all over Bristol, you know, I happen to be in Italy this week, meeting with people from loads of different nationalities. So if you, you had a little map and said, you know, where are we going to carry God out to the rest of the world this week? It would, it would literally go all over, over the world. And what excites me about this thing about attitudes to workplace is that the starting point for Nehemiah is that he just made himself available to God. You know, he had this vision of, God, I want to be part of your story. And he thought his story was about going to facilitate putting a brick in it, you know, build up the walls. God had much, much bigger plans. If you're looking at this, you'd probably say that, has God going to bring his community back to him? Well, it'd probably have been Ezra, wouldn't it? You know, if, you, if I'd been guessing, without knowing the story, I'd have said, well, you know, Ezra the priest, going back to build the temple, that's probably how God's going to bring the people back to him. Wrong. Actually, what God did, <laughs> he used an administrator going back, building a wall to draw the people back to him. And actually this week, you know, how, how are we going to bring out the kingdom of God as Christians here this week? It's not going to be about what goes on in this building. That's great. It's actually about 
all of us going out and saying, God, we're here for you. We want you to flow through us and touch the lives that we're going to come into contact with this week through the way we live, through just making ourselves available. Lord, that's how you're going to bring your kingdom about this week. So what we can do now, um, we can do a couple of things. Firstly, we're going to have a couple of minutes of quiet and just want to give, give you a chance to just reflect on this week and see if anything that's come up out of there is relevant to you. You know, what is your, you know, what is your vision for this week? Yeah, do you need God to give you a vision? Do you need God to refresh the vision that you've had in the past? Do you need to just make yourself available? You know, are there situations coming up this week where you need to consciously pray over those situations? God, I believe you are over that situation. Whatever it is, God, I'm going to declare your name over it. You know, are there um, you know, particular things going on in your workplace that you want to pray blessing on? people you want to pray blessing on? And, you know, are there things that, um, you know, that we look, need to look at in how we're living in terms of, you know, being wise, our values, and knowing our identity is in God? So we'll have a couple of minutes for you just to quietly respond to that. Then after a couple of minutes, um, you know, we've got a tradition in the church of getting people in the centre to pray, but normally we only do that when they're doing stuff that's really holy, like going off to Africa. But what we're going to do this morning is All of you guys who are going out to a normal workplace this week, if you want to, I'm going to ask you to shuffle, to get up on your feet and kind of gather in the centre of the church as best you can. Okay? And I've asked several people um, who are generally based around the church during the week, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray God's blessing on you in whatever you're offering to God this morning. Okay? Because as we see it, this is sending people out to take God's world Take God's word to, you know, and God, who God is into whatever situations you're going to be in this week. No, I mean everybody. Sorry, Americanisms. <laughs> yeah, everybody. doesn't matter what you do, you know, uh, who you are, you know, men and women. You know, we are, uh, yeah, we just want to pray God's blessing on you that you will go out this week and carry God to wherever you're going. So look, let's have a couple of minutes of quiet and then I'll sort of invite people to come to the centre if you, if, if you want to.